Hello out there, science nerds. You're listening to Evolving with Mr. V, a weekly podcast that covers the week that was in AP Dual Credit Biology and much more. I'm your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, your master of the biological arts, and this is officially episode 19, week 19 of the 2019-2020 school year. And a happy MLK Day to you, and here's to hoping that you're enjoying your day off as we remember the great Martha Luther King Jr. In this week's podcast, we will recap the week of January 13th through the 17th in AP Dual Credit Biology and look forward to the coming week as well. Spoilers, cell communication and DNA exam on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. In this week's second segment, I'll give some advice and hints for the upcoming exam and announce a study session for all those who might need a little bit extra help on this upcoming Chapter 11 and Chapter 16 exam that once again is happening this week. In our final segment, we continue with the new part of the podcast called Five Questions with Mr. V. We'll interview our third guest and ask five questions to get to know our guests just a little bit better. And this week's guest is someone from the Johnson community. So stay tuned. Now, before we begin the podcast, we need to hear from our sponsor in a segment I call Mr. V Needs to Buy Some New Bow Ties. This episode is brought to you by DNA Ligase. Hey, are you tired of that weak glue trying to hold your formal lab posters together? Frustrated about that lame tape that's just not keeping your AP Biology binder together for that extra credit check? Well, say goodbye to those subpar adhesives and try DNA ligase. That's right, DNA ligase is here to join and hold anything you need to put together. From newly synthesized DNA strands to Okasaki fragments, its strong phosphodiester covenant bonds will get the job done. So forget glue, tape, even that Gorilla Super Glue. Next time you need to hold your life together, use DNA ligase. DNA ligase is an enzyme that must be stored in its optimal temperature and pH for maximum effectiveness and avoid denaturization. And we're back. So let's go ahead and hit that rewind button and review the week that was in AP Dual Credit Biology. On this second week of the second semester, we focus on DNA replication. So let's go ahead and highlight all the major players involved in the process in replicating DNA into two double helixes. So the start of DNA replication begins at species-specific sites in DNA called origins of replication, where DNA replication will begin and our first major player, enzyme, is introduced, which is DNA helicase in step one called unzipping. In this step, two helicases will bind at the origin of replication site and perform two tasks, unwind the DNA and separate the two strands of the DNA by breaking the hydrogen bonds holding the nitrogen bases together. They will move in opposite directions, forming a replication bubble with two replication forks working in opposite directions. Now helping in this step of unzipping are SSBPs, single-stranded binding proteins, which hold the two strands that have been separated apart as they begin to be replicated. Now step two is synthesis of DNA, and our major player enzyme here is DNA polymerase 3. Now because DNA strands run anti-parallel to each other, each strand will be replicated in a different manner. 
One strand, called the leading strand, will be synthesized in one continuous manner, with DNA polymerase 3 adding nitrogen bases to the template strand, making the new DNA strand in a 5 to 3 direction, adding bases to a 3' exposed end of a DNA nucleotide. It follows the movement of the opening replication fork following the complementary base pairing rules, adenine with thymine and guanine with cytosine. However, before DNA polymerase 3 begins, an RNA primer must be laid down by an enzyme called primase. It lays down the RNA nucleotide sequence, about 10 bases, and leaves a 3' end exposed to allow DNA polymerase 3 to attach and begin synthesizing the new DNA strand in that 5 to 3' fashion. Now, the other strand of DNA will not be able to be synthesized in one continuous manner due to it running the opposite direction. So DNA polymerase 3 on this strand will be working moving away from the replication fork, synthesizing the new DNA in fragments called Okasaki fragments. This strand is referred to as the lagging strand. Now, primase only needs to lay down one RNA primer for the leading strand, but will need to lay down several RNA primers for the lagging strand, one for every Okasaki fragment. Now, as DNA synthesis continues, additional players' enzymes come in to accomplish tasks like DNA polymerase 1, which is responsible for replacing the RNA primer laid down by primase with DNA nucleotides. Now, the last step of DNA replication is joining the nucleotides, and our major player enzyme here is DNA ligase, which forms the strong phosphodiester covalent bonds between the sugar and phosphates of nucleotides, forming a stable DNA double helix. DNA ligase also ensures Okasaki fragments are joined on the lagging strand, producing one continuous DNA strand. Now, during DNA replication, DNA tends to be at its most vulnerable and prone to mutations, but the cell has a kind of proofreading, kind of a spell check mechanism to correct possible mutations or errors in DNA. Now, this proofreading mechanism job goes primarily to DNA polymerase 2, along with some other proteins and nuclease, which is like a pair of scissors. Now, first, DNA polymerase 2 finds the error, then nuclease cuts a section where the mutation is located, then DNA polymerase 2 fills in the correct DNA nucleotides, and finally DNA ligase comes in and joins the nucleotides with covalent phosphodiester bonds. Now, one last major enzyme performing a crucial task is typoisomerase, an enzyme found upstream of DNA helicase. Now, remember, as DNA helicase unwinds the double helix, the twisted ladder, the twisting tends to go upstream, causing super twisting, tension, and stress, which can damage the DNA. But fear not that damage, for typoisomerase helps relieve the stress and tension by relaxing that super twisting occurring upstream of the DNA helicase and preventing that DNA damage. Well, folks, that was our main focus for the week in AP Dual Credit Biology. Make sure you go back and read Chapter 16 to continue to build that depth and understanding of our DNA content. Now, let's go ahead and do a quick rundown of the activities and events that we did for the week. 
students this week worked on their DNA origami and turned in their masterpieces on Wednesday. And I gotta say, your DNA origamis were fantastic, with 11 perfect hundreds and several A's and only a few B's. So job well done. Make sure to check out the podcast Instagram page to view those perfect hundreds. Students this week also took two quizzes, one on Wednesday over DNA structure, function, history, and replication, and another quiz over telomeres on Friday. Students got back their DNA quiz on Friday. Make sure to use that as a study tool for this upcoming exam. Students who missed the telomere quiz, make sure to make up that quiz by Tuesday morning or Tuesday after school. One last activity for the week was starting to learn how to use a very essential tool when it comes to studying DNA and biotechnology, which is a micropipetter. We had time to just introduce it, discuss how to hold it, and adjust the micropipetter, but we'll continue learning and practicing pipetting with it on Tuesday. Well, those were some of the main activities and events and concepts covered in the week that was in AP Dual Credit Biology. And now for our second segment, where I'll share some advice and hints for the upcoming exam over Chapter 11, Cell Communication, and Chapter 16, Everything DNA. So here's my first nugget of advice. Now, while my notes are pretty awesome, they are very linear in sequence and are not very interactive or eye-catching. So the first thing you should do is rewrite your notes, but in a different manner, like maybe creating a sketch notes version of it, which I have shown and given a couple of examples of throughout the year. So that should help you maybe form your version of sketch notes. Or try converting your notes into concept maps, flowcharts, Venn diagrams. These would also provide more active ways to process your notes. I also recommend maybe creating graphic organizers, diagrams, or even just summarizing a note outline into your own words. This can help you not just remember, but understand concepts. So in other words, if you're not writing, you're not studying. Another nugget of advice, talk, say it out loud, verbally speak your notes to fellow colleagues or just to yourself. Even if you have to maybe just explain or talk to your favorite stuffed animal or stuffed character, maybe a baby Yoda, you know, doing this can definitely help you kind of make sure that you're making sense when it comes to the content. Also, Try forming a study group of individuals that will communicate with you. This is another effective way to study. If you could reach the point where you can explain or teach a concept to someone, you know you got it down. So if you're not talking, you're not studying. One last nugget of advice, quiz yourself and have others quiz you as well. If you only quiz yourself, you tend to only ask questions you could answer, but having someone else quiz you can ensure that all concepts are being touched on and that you are being challenged. Also, as you review past quizzes, look at the diagrams, pictures, and images and think about what other questions could be asked or how questions can be changed to check understanding of those concepts 
concepts at different levels. Okay, so those were some good study tips. Now, how about some hints for the upcoming exam? Well, first thing, go back and check out some past episodes of Evolving with Mr. V. Don't forget to review the latest content over telomeres and telomerase and the summaries of the research articles over the various environmental effects on telomere length. In addition, revisit the video, Can Stress Kill You? For you just might see a question or two over the video. One last hint, as always, read your chapter 11 and chapter 16 on masteringbiology.com. One last hint for the upcoming exam, don't stress too much, don't shorten your telomeres over the history of DNA. You will probably only see one, maybe two questions over that content. So don't stress about it, just do a quick review of your notes and you should be good. And now for a special announcement. On Tuesday after school from 4.30 to 5.15, there will be a study session for those students who might just want to hang out and get your study on. Maybe make some concept maps, some flowcharts, maybe even quiz each other. All things that will help us be successful on that upcoming exam. Once again, study session, Tuesday after school, 4.30 to 5.15. And now for our final segment, Five Questions with Mr. V, where I will ask five questions to our special guests to get to know them just a little bit better. And this week's guest is a fellow colleague, a fantastic educator, Mr. Mora. Welcome to Five Questions with Mr. V. And today we have a special guest, a fellow teacher, fellow colleague, uh, a beloved teacher who goes out of his way to help out not only his students, but fellow teachers as well, especially when it comes to any technology issues that arise around campus. And believe me, there's always beef with technology at this school. So without further ado, uh, let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Mora. Uh, Mr. Mora, can you tell hey. us a little bit about yourself to maybe to the audience? Yeah. Yes, I am super excited to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast. So um, when uh, when Mr. V asked me, or when you asked me, it was uh, it was awesome. So yeah, so I've been teaching for gosh 11, 11, 12 years, about somewhere in there. I took a few breaks depending on uh, where the military moved us and when we had to move, and my ability to get a job there. So um, yeah, I've taught. Uh, I started teaching at New Braunfels High School. That's where I got my my feet wet into this career. And I knew since the first day that I had the kids staring at me that I could do this. After I got past maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of being nervous, um, I knew, hey, man, this I got this. This was, this was good. And, and the kids over there were real um, fun to, to, to work with and be around. And uh, so, yeah, I knew I hit my stride once um, I started teaching. All right. Well, excellent. Excellent. I always mm-hmm. hear great things uh, when it comes to um, comes to my students. And I ask them about, oh, you know, chemistry questions. They're always like, oh, yeah, Mr. Mora is great. Okay, awesome. well. Let's go ahead and begin out my first question for you. So uh, I know you were in the military and I know that you've been deployed, assigned pretty much all over the world. Uh, What are some of the places that you've been in when it comes to the military, places that you've been assigned? Okay, so uh, when I decided to join the military, I thought, you know, I wanted to see the world and and I got to see a bunch of Texas. So uh, first first off, I got to see Wichita Falls, um, which is if you've ever been there, that's where Shepard Air Force Base is at. Um, So I saw that and of course, uh, San Antonio. 
Antonio. And um, while I was active duty, I got deployed to uh, Guantanamo Bay. And that was a different, it was a different time. It was before 9-11. So this was uh, mid-90s. And um, that's, of course, the naval base out there. Uh, they take a little piece of Cuba there. And uh, it was awesome. So we were helping out refugees, uh, Cuban refugees that were trying to get over to Florida on these makeshift rafts and, and uh, Haitians as well. Um, so I dealt with the Cuban um, uh, refugees because I got to use my Spanish and, and I translated with them. And um, and uh, so it, it was it was great. Uh, we worked two days on, two days off, and it was like a vacation. I got to, you know, scuba dive and snorkel um, on my days off. And I had a beach. It was clear water. It was it was awesome. So um, I got to do that. And then while when I got out, of course, my wife stayed in and, you know, we had uh, two kids at the time. And, and when we had our third, we got uh, sent over to Alabama. And that was a that was a little fun. Um, and then, uh, of course, I taught there. And then we went to Alaska uh, as a family. By that time, we had four uh, kids. And then um, and then now we're back here. Oh, wow. So from all those places, which one which one's your favorite? If you could go back to one of them, which one would it be? Would it be Cuba? It, no, no, it'd be Alaska. Alaska. I love Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. So you love that cold weather? I do. I do. There's a lot to do. If you uh, don't like cold weather, of course, don't go there. But there's so much stuff to do. You can, uh, you know, snowmobile, um, take the kids out all the time um, in the snow, snow fights, snow, snowmen all over the place and um, ice fishing. We went camping outside. My, my oldest daughter even did a, a, a camp out um, uh, with church and uh, and she did a, a snow cave. So they slept in a snow cave. I, I, I didn't want to do that, but she enjoyed it kind of, sort of, but it was something she can say, hey, I did that. And so, uh, yeah, there's just so much to do there. Just I love how open the spaces are, how clear, clean the air is, how fresh it is and, and all the wildlife. Um, I just loved it out there. Well, awesome. well, I've actually, we went on a cruise to Alaska and it was, I loved that cruise to Alaska. We went to Glacier Bay, uh, Sasquatchewan and some other places. And it is beautiful. Just, just eye catching. Um, okay. Uh, next question. Um, after your military service, what, you know, you had options like what made you decide, you know, teaching, teaching is the route I want to go into. <laughs> so uh, this is funny. I uh, knew I wanted to teach um, probably about my fourth or fifth. And that was about my sixth year active duty. I was uh, I was working at Lackland and and we in process the basic trainees and um, so I had to stand up in front of uh, 36, 40 um, young men and women at a time and I was I had a I was very afraid of speaking publicly and so the good thing about that is they wanted us to yell so I could get through the nervousness just by yelling at them and uh, and after about a week or so of that I calmed down and and um, and you still had to yell at them because you know. I don't know what they're doing. They're they, they're like deer in headlights. It's like the third day of basic training. But I was able to you know just help them out and teach them and 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 that was my biggest thing was uh, you know my fear of speaking in public. So uh, once I got through that, um, it was awesome. I knew uh, I loved uh, you know being in front of people. I love I don't I wouldn't I'd, I'd hate being in front of a desk you know in a lab or something like that without you know interaction of people. So I mean I always have fun with the kids I teach and and even uh, adults if we're working together. So um, you know. This is just this is just a great fit for me. Well, uh, my next one is why chemistry. I mean, we know biology rules, and you know it's the top <laughs> science. But why chemistry? Like, was that your first love, or is it something you just got pushed into? Well, um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, you know, I've always I was I was intimidated by chemistry when I first started taking it um, as a young young guy, and um, and you know, it was the math. The math always 
threw me off. I would I would know how to do it, but I would make a simple mistake. Um, you know, I would subtract something instead of adding it or or flip my grams to moles or whatever. And so, um, you know, once I got that down, you know, after teaching it, um, it, it's, it comes easy to me now. But, you know, when I decided to go into teaching, I knew, uh, to get back to your question, that being, you know, part of a military family and supporting my wife and kids, I'd have a job that I could go everywhere, uh, a, a certification that I could use anywhere I went. So I, I put it out down as a, a general science, uh, any type of general science certification I could get, meaning I could teach any science anywhere I went. And it served me well. I've, I've taught, you know, when I was at uh, New Braunfels, I taught biology and IPC. So I did that. I got my feet wet doing that. And I've always taught some type of biology, you know, being anatomy physiology or, or ecology, zoology, then never chemistry. And I always wanted, that was always a, something I wanted to teach. And I actually had, uh, when I got back, I got a job offer at Judson uh, to teach chemistry. And then uh, Dr. Bertolotti called me for an interview. And it was one of those moments where, you know, the stars aligned. And, and I told her, hey, you know, I've got a job, inter- I've got a job position already. I don't want to rush you, but I need to know, um, you know, if I had to get the job. And she called me back maybe an hour after I got home and, and uh, she told me I'd be teaching chemistry. So I was super excited. And yeah. Johnson changed forever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, my next question uh, has a science, has some biology to it. Uh, you know, if DNA technology and, you know, there's this Quisp9 enzyme, which class we're going to talk about soon, you know, is allowing us to now do a lot more genetic engineering. If you could go into your DNA and edit your genes, is there a gene, a characteristic, a physical trait that you would change about yourself? Well, yeah, I, I, I thought I saw this. I saw you know I saw this question when you emailed it to me, and I thought, man, and this is perfect timing because this is this is cedar fever time. And and for me, if I could find the gene that makes me allergic to anything, I would just blow it out of the sky and get rid of it if I could do that because I'm miserable at this time of the year. So um, yeah, if I could change anything about me, it would be it would be to get rid of whatever that gene that marker is that makes me allergic to cedar. Well, I think there's a lot of students out there that would agree with you because I have several that are allergic to mountain cedar. <laughs> yeah. uh, my time will come. I'm allergic to oak and that oak is going to come in spring. Okay, oh, yeah. here, a uh, final question. Um, you know, with us, with the year ending, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff in 2019, a lot of good movies, a lot of good shows. What would you, what would you say is your favorite movie or TV, uh, TV series that you saw that you loved in 2019? Well, I think the one that stands out is The Mandalorian. I just, I just love that. I love seeing the baby Yoda in our house. We've been using bro for everything. So we call him baby Broda. And, uh, so, you know, everything it's like, all right, let's go. It's Friday. Let's go see what Broda's going to do. And, and the kids get all excited and we all watch it together and, and seeing him, you know, as a baby walking around is awesome. So, um, and, and the backstory is great. So, and, you know, I kind of grew up on Star Wars. So anything with Star Wars, I love it. So, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be the series, you know, that I would recommend for, from 2019. You know, anything Marvel, of course, um, would be up there as well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would agree. The Mandalorian, I've told my students several times, one of the best shows, definitely great show that all students should be checking out. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Moore. I know you're a busy person, uh, but thank you for stopping by and thank you for being on Five Questions with Mr. V. Awesome. It's been an honor. Thank you. 
Once again, I want to thank Mr. Mora for taking the time out of his busy schedule and answering five questions with Mr. V. Hey, are you interested in getting interviewed and being a guest on five questions with Mr. V? If so, send me a message on Enmodo or email me at ovelas at nisd.net that you are interested and I'll keep you in consideration for being a future guest on five questions with Mr. V. And now for a couple of reminders for the week. Exam and FRQ happening on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday is FRQ day, Thursday multiple choice day over cell communication and DNA. And don't forget study session on Tuesday after school from 4.30 to 5.15 for those that might want to hang with others to get your study on. Don't forget the podcast now has an Instagram page called Evolving with Mr. V. So go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram and give me some likes, give me some comments, Well, that brings us to an end of episode 19, week 19 of Evolving with Mr. V. I hope you found this podcast informative and somewhat entertaining. I want to thank Free Music Archive and Sound Bible for the music and sound effects on the podcast. This podcast was written, produced, and recorded by Velasquez Productions. Once again, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast on your podcast listening platform. Feel free to email me at ovelas at nisd.net with any comments or feedbacks, and follow me on Twitter at APBiologyMrV. Well, this is your host, Mr. Oscar Velasquez, your Master of the Biological Arts, signing off and reminding you to please, please, for your professor's sake, study for the upcoming exam. Study! Sometimes it